This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is Not Just Like Before. Not Just Like Before. The music was smooth and flowing. Just like before. Mostly Lorena McKennett and Enya, I think. And some choral music from Ireland, explained Lily as she led me up the stairs. There was a dog bed in the middle of the living room. Just like before. Molly had greeted me at the door, but now she was curled up on the dog bed, not moving. Thank you for coming, Mara, said Lily, biting her lip. I know you're busy, but... The tears welled up in both of us, just like before. We hugged. It's okay, I said. I'm here for you and for Molly. Oh, I almost forgot. Can you take a photo? Lily held out her camera. She got down beside the dog bed. Molly obligingly sat up so Lily could put her arms around the dog's neck. I took the photo. Lily, the tears streaming down her cheeks, which was quite unusual for Lily. She was normally quite upbeat. Molly looking very serious, which was quite normal for Molly. That's just the way she was. When Lily let go, Molly slumped back down on her bed, just like before. Lily took off Molly's collar and put it on the chair. There was a subtle knock on the door. Molly didn't even move. It's the vet, whispered Lily. Molly knows. Molly knows what's happening. I went downstairs and let the vet in. A familiar, kind face, just like before. I led him upstairs. Lily was lying down beside Molly. The vet crouched down and touched Lily on the shoulder. I'm sorry, he said. Then he turned his attention to Molly. Molly lifted her head briefly, and her pink tongue crept out to give the vet's hand a small lick. Then she dropped her head to the cushion and closed her eyes. So it's it's two needles, said the vet, just like... Yeah, I know, sighed Lily. Just like before... The vet prepared his needles. He took out a small electric hair clipper and trimmed some fur off Molly's left front leg. Molly didn't move. The vet took out the first needle. Okay. So she'll go into a deep sleep, he said. Lily nodded. The vet felt around the bare spot on Molly's leg and then tenderly inserted the needle and pushed down the plunger. There was no reaction from Molly. Lily lay beside her, stroking the fur on Molly's head and back, the only movement in the room. After several minutes, the vet prodded Molly gently. He opened one of her eyes, paused, and then closed it again. He took out the second needle. And this one will stop her heart, he said. He glanced at Lily. Okay? Okay, said Lily, just like before. The vet applied the needle. A slight shudder swept across Molly's body. The Irish choral music soared to a peak and then died away. The vet waited about 30 seconds. 
Then he reached under Molly's body with his stethoscope and probed around a bit. She's gone, he said simply. Lily sobbed and held Molly's body to her own. I cried. The vet sat back, his eyes downcast. Abruptly, Lily stood up and went to the back door, staring out at the snow on the deck. Okay, she said. The vet and I rolled Molly's body, still warm, onto a blanket that the vet had brought with him. We carried her down the stairs and put her in the back of the vet's van, just like before. Thank you, I said to the vet. This wasn't easy for me, and it certainly wasn't easy for Lily. But you probably have to do this quite often. It must be really tough on you. Well, said the vet, sometimes it's the kindest thing we can do for the ones we love. Then he was gone. I went back upstairs. Lily was still staring out into the backyard. I took her by the shoulders. Come, I said. Let's sit, just like before. But before we could sit, the doorbell rang. In bustled Pamela McPherson. She lived in the house on the corner. I saw the vet's van leave, she said. Pamela sees everything on Walnut Crescent. Come, come, you need tea. Where's your tea? She hustled around Lily's kitchen, boiling water and finding cups. Soon, we were all sitting in the living room. Lily turned down Lorena McKenna a bit. We were all quite conscious of the empty dog bed in the middle of the floor and the empty collar on the chair. Lily needed to talk. It's not fair, said Lily. It's not fair at all. Maggie, not even two months ago. And now Molly. Neither Pamela or I said anything. There really wasn't much to say. With Maggie, the decision was easy. I mean, she went from full speed to not even being able to stand up in the end. She tried really hard. Canter the spleen, the vet said. But she couldn't even stand up. So I was thankful that that was an easy decision. Lily paused and rubbed the tears from her eyes. We all sipped our tea in silence. Pamela patted Lily gently. But with Molly, continued Lily eventually, she was still quite mobile. It was her nose. Right after Maggie, right after Maggie left, Molly's nose started to bleed and it kept getting worse. The vet finally figured out it was cancer and said that someday the bleeding just wouldn't stop and she'd bleed to death. The bleeding really made her stressed. Lily took another sip of tea. We followed suit. And lately her nose started getting plugged up and she'd sort of snuffle. That really freaked her out. Just last night, Molly's last night, she had problems breathing. We sat in the living room with the moonlight coming in the front window. We talked, and I sang to her until she could breathe easily again. I mean, I called two days ago to arrange with the vet, but I wasn't quite sure. But last night, I was more sure. I didn't want Molly to be at home by herself and have trouble breathing or, or start to bleed and, and get all stressed out and be alone. The dogs relied on you to make decisions for them, I said. And I'm sure you made the right decision just like before. And then I told her what the vet had said. <sighs> yeah, said Lily. At least I had some time with her to say goodbye. I took two days off work. 
and we went to walk all the trails that she and I had walked together, and with her sister. Up, up to the lake, down to the creek, for a drink at the spring, and to explain everything to the old mother tree. Pamela started at the mention of talking to her tree. That probably didn't fit in with her strict United Church upbringing at all. But if it sounded dangerously druidic, she said nothing. I got Maggie and Molly as puppies, said Lily. They spent their whole lives, almost eleven years, their whole lives together here with me. They had never been apart. So if it was rough on me when Maggie left, I think it was even rougher on Molly. I don't think she wanted to stay around without her sister. I think she was ready to go. This morning, she didn't even want to go for a walk. It's as if she knew it was time. Lily started to sob again, and we all hugged, and eventually settled back to our tea. So why do things like this happen? asked Lily. I thought the dogs were good for a couple more years at least. The explanation of inexplicable things was Pamela McPherson's expertise. Things were either very clearly explained in the Bible, for anyone who cared to look, or else they were something that mere mortals were not meant to know, but might find out eventually if they had enough faith. Lily's question clearly fell into the second category. We don't always choose the paths we walk, said Pamela. Sometimes it might not be clear until we're a lot further down the path. And sometimes things turn out better than what we had planned in the first place. No, I thought that was sort of an unsatisfactory cop-out, but there really was no logical explanation. Sometimes things just happened. If Lily was frustrated by Pamela's simplistic rationalization, she said nothing. But Pamela was right about one thing. The tea was something we really needed. I saw Lily on and off over the next weeks, but we never really had much chance to talk. We'd cross paths when she was coming home as I was picking up Alex from the bus stop at the corner. Or I'd see her coming back from forest walks, as she always had. But now she was alone. It was about six weeks after Molly's passing that Quark announced Lily's presence at our front door. It was a Thursday night. That was rather unusual. Chuck was at a meeting downtown, and Alex was in her room. I made tea. Quark sprawled under the table. Sure, I think about the dog sometimes. Sometimes when I'm out in the woods alone, I come to a place like the creek or the lake that the dogs really liked, and I think of them and the good times we had. Or I come to a point on a walk where I want to turn around. I still say out loud, Okay, dogs, time to turn around. Just like I used to when the dogs were with me. But I feel a bit guilty that I don't miss them more than that. The house is certainly a lot easier to keep clean and I can go out whenever I want without worrying if the dogs will be okay alone. And I've got lots of time now for other projects. So yeah, there's a little something missing somewhere, but it's not a big thing. Lily paused to take a sip of tea and scratch Quark's ears, which presented themselves conveniently near her hand at just the right moment, just like before. It was clear there was something else that Lily wanted to say. Go ahead, I encouraged her. Okay, she burst out. I'm pregnant. Jack, I blurted. Of course it's with Jack, she answered, a bit put out. Who else? Is this a good thing? I asked, uncertainly. I think so, she replied slightly less uncertainly. I mean, 
It's what I sort of wanted, and my baby will have a caring, interesting father, and, well, I've got a clean house and free time. And I can tell my baby all about big sisters Maggie and Molly, and all the wonderful things they did. So as much as it pained me to admit it, Pamela McPherson was right. Sometimes things happen. We don't understand the reasons, and we get dragged off the path we had mapped out. But it all becomes clear in the end, and maybe better than we planned. Not just like before. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.